preaching of your word, as we've been studying through the book of Judges, and as we've been studying the life of Samson specifically the last couple of weeks, I pray you'd help us, Lord, uh, to be able to learn from it, to be able to understand from it, Lord, in your precious and holy name I pray, amen. amen. Alright, well we're there in Judges chapter number 14. Brother Vincent, if I could get a bottle of water, I appreciate it. Is there one up here? It's not anymore, someone stole it. Thank you. Somebody, whoever was stealing my bulletins, decided to start taking my water too. <laughs> Judges chapter 14. Oh, okay. Judges chapter 14. Uh, last week we began uh, the study. Thank you, sir. Uh, last week we began the study of the, the life of Samson. If you remember, we got into the phase of the book of Judges, uh, which is primarily the book of Judges. Uh, the judge that we deal with the most, that we have the most chapters about, that we know more about, is Samson. Last week we began to see the life of Samson in chapter 13. As we got to know Manoah, uh, his father, and Samson's mother. In Judges 14, we're continuing through the life of Samson, but here we actually begin to know Samson. And this week, I want you to see, as I was studying chapter 14 for the sermon tonight, one overwhelming theme kept coming up uh, time and again, time and again through this chapter, and I want you to see it. And, uh, I want you to see in chapter 14 the broken relationships in Samson's life. You've got to understand this. Life is a series of relationships. What you and I have and what makes your life of value is not possessions, it's not the vehicle you drive, it's not the house you live in, it's not how much money you have in the bank account, but it is the relationships that you establish throughout life. At the end of your life, you will not sit there wishing you acquired another vehicle. You'll sit there wishing that you spend more time with your kids. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. You'll spend the time wishing that you had uh, more time with those that you loved. And life is a series of relationships. And in chapter 14, it becomes very clear to us that Samson had some established relationships, but they were broken relationships. I want you to see. Number one, Samson's broken relationship with his parents. Look at verse 1 of Judges chapter 14. And Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Notice what he says to his parents. Now therefore, get her for me to wife. Now in verse 3, his dad begins to give him some uh, fatherly advice. And it's actually good advice. In verse 3 he says, Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And we're going to take a look at that more here in a minute. But notice Samson's response. And Samson said unto his father, Notice how Samson is speaking to his dad. Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Now you got to understand this, okay? Keep your finger there in Judges chapter 14 and go with me to Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter number 20. You're there in Judges 14. Exodus chapter number 20. Very well known passage in, uh, uh, in the Bible. Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter number 20. Look at verse number 12. Exodus chapter number 20 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You see that? 
Very well known verse. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And I want you to notice this, okay? God commands you to honor your father. He commands you to honor your mother. But He says, when you honor your father, and when you honor your mother, God gives a, He attaches a promise to that command. He says, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, Keep, go, go to Ephesians in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter number 6. We saw these verses uh, this morning as we uh, referenced the sermon this morning. Ephesians chapter number 6 and look at verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 6 and put your bulletin or a ribbon there in Ephesians 6 because we're going to come back to that later on in the, in the sermon. Ephesians chapter number 6. Look at verse number 1, Ephesians 6, 1. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now notice what it says. Honor thy father and mother, which is a quote from Exodus 20. Notice what it says in parentheses. Which is the first commandment with promise. God says He promises, or He's given a promise to those who keep this commandment. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. What is it? Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Do you know that some of you are going to die young because of the way you acted as a teenager? Isn't that crazy? God says, honor your father and your mother. And He says, if you honor your father and you honor your mother, He says, I promise that you'll live long upon the earth. He says, I've attached a promise to, the, to you. Now go to Genesis. Keep your finger or something there in, in Ephesians 6. Go to Genesis. You say, that scared me. I should scare you. I should scare some of you kids. Genesis uh, chapter number 2. I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 2. You understand this, okay? Samson is the child. Manoah, now remember last week we studied Manoah. We're not too impressed with Manoah, right? But whether Manoah was a good man or a bad man, whether he was a blessed man or a bum, Manoah is Samson's dad. And the Bible says when you interact with your father, when you interact with your mother, you should interact with them with the attitude of honoring them. Samson here is bossing his dad around. Did you catch that? He says, go get me this girl. His dad says, I don't think you should be dating that girl. He says, I said, get her. Now listen, it is not the responsibility of a child to boss the dad around. It is the responsibility of the mom and the dad to boss the child around. You understand that? Now you may say, well, Samson was a grown man at this time. He was ready to be married. Look at Genesis chapter number 2. Look at verse number 24. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 24. The Bible says this, and what I'm about to teach you is not popular. What I'm about to teach you, people don't like, uh, don't want to hear, but it's the Word of God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they, uh, and they shall be one flesh. According to the Bible... The time, the proper time, the right time for an individual to leave mom and dad is when they leave mom and dad in order to cleave unto a spouse. That's what the Bible teaches. That is not what our society teaches. Our society has brainwashed parents into thinking that the number 18 is some sort of a magical number. You're 18 years old, son. So you can go off into the world. Show me that in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. Look, let, let me let you in on a secret. There's not a lot of difference between an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old. 
There's not a lot of difference between a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. It's a few days, but we get this idea. You turn 18 years old, you're now a man. Let me tell you something. Being a certain age does not make you a man. Do you understand that? Taking responsibility makes you a man. You know what makes you a man? Providing for a wife. You know what makes you a man? Providing for a child. You know what makes you a man? Taking responsibility for a family. And the Bible says that a young man and a young woman ought not even leave the house. Look what it says, Matthew 24. There, I'm sorry, Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Let me tell you something. According to the Bible, an individual ought to be under the authority of their father and their mother until they are married. Period. End of story. That's what the Bible says. In a perfect world, that's how it would be. Unfortunately, our society is messed up. Unfortunately, our society is a sinful society. Today, some parents get this idea, you're 18 years old, and they kick their kids out of the house. Now, I feel sorry for for that, but this is a scriptural concept. God Himself said about Adam, it is not good for a man to be alone. I tell these young guys, you know, you need to get married as soon as possible. Find the right spouse. Make sure she's the right spouse. Make sure she's the right person. Don't rush something into someone that you're going to regret. But as soon as you find the right person, get married as soon as physically possible. Because it's not good for a man to be alone. Do you understand that? Do I need to expound upon that? It's not good for a young man to just be running around, roaming around with no accountability. And the Bible teaches this. Go, go back to Judges 14. There is no magical age. You say, well, what, when is the magical age that they become a man? When they turn 18, when they turn 21, when they turn 36, when they put a ring on a young lady's finger and say, I do, that's when they become a man. And that's when they can stop listening to mom and dad. Till then, Samson, you ought not be talking back to your parents. He's bossing his mom and dad around. Look what it says. Judges 14, verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman of Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, notice what he says. I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me to wife. Where's the please? Where's the, hey dad, let me ask you some advice. What do you think about this girl? Do you think, can we pray about this young lady? I'm interested in this young lady. Can you give me some advice, Dad? No, you don't get none of that from Samson. Now therefore, get her for me to wife. His dad still gives him advice. Verse 3, Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of, the brethren, uh, of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. It's a bad attitude, Samson. And by the way, let me just tell you this. Samson died a young man. Because the Bible says when you honor your father and you honor your mother, God will make sure you live a long life. When you disrespect mom, when you disrespect dad, you're on your own. That's what the Bible teaches. You need to get out of this mindset. Our society and the world has brainwashed to think certain things, to have certain... He's 18 years old now. Now he's a man. Where, Where do you get that from the Bible? Show me that in the Bible. Children ought to be home till they're sent off. Look, the, the plan is, you say, well, how are you going to keep your, your kids at home? My plan is to keep them at home till they get married. And by the way, that's an incentive for them to get married. You, you think, you think I, look, I don't want my 36-year-old son living with me. I'm going to be making, you know, you know, hey son, maybe you should go talk to that young lady over there. Okay, but there's no magical number for maturity. Maturity comes with responsibility. 
There's a lot of very immature 40-year-olds out there. There's a lot of mature 25 and 24-year-olds because it comes when a man and a young lady take on responsibility. So number one, we saw Samson's broken relationship with his, with his parent. Number two, I want you to see Samson's broken relationship with his wife. Okay, we already saw it, but let's look at it again. Verse 3. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of the brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? His dad is bringing up a valid point. His dad is saying, Why can't you find an Israelite? Why can't you find a daughter of the children of Israel? Now keep your finger there in Judges and go to Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter number 7. And look, I understand that this, we live in a simple world, and sometimes people find themselves in a situation where they can't even be with their parents at the age of 18. I get that, but I'm telling you, that's not God's will, and that not ought to be your will as you raise your children. Deuteronomy chapter 7, look at verse number 1. Deuteronomy 7, 1. God gave the children of Israel a very clear command. Deuteronomy chapter number 7, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1, the Bible says this, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Look at verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter uh, thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. Okay, God had made a very clear command. God had set a very clear uh, president for them. And he said, look, I don't want you marrying the children of the nations around you. He said, I don't want you marrying the Philistine girls around you, Samson. And Samson decided that he wants to go marry this Philistine. He said, well, what's the big deal? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Look at verse number 14. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 14. There's a very clear spiritual concept taught here. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 14. The Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Okay, the Bible is very clear about this. A believer, a Christian, a child of God, should not yoke themselves up with an unbeliever. Okay, it was wrong for Samson to marry a Philistine girl because the Philistines did not worship the God of the Bible. The Philistines worshipped a false god. And in the same way, today, it is wrong for a Christian, a believer, to marry an unbeliever. And let me just teach you something about dating. For those of you that have children that may be dating in the future, the purpose of dating is not to go out and have fun. The purpose of dating is to find a spouse. You understand that? Does that make sense? So if you're trying to find a spouse, why are you dating a bunch of unbelievers if you're not going to marry an unbeliever? The Bible says that we ought not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And you've got to understand this. Samson had a bad relationship with mom and dad, and it led to a bad marriage. You've got to get this. 
Because relationships affect more than the, just the one person that we're dealing with. Some of you would do well to learn this lesson. You young people that are looking for a spouse, if that girl you're interested in, or that guy you're interested in, is constantly bad-mouthing mom, and is constantly bad-mouthing dad, they're going to bad-mouth you once you're married. Because the way you deal with relationships will overflow into different relationships. Samson had a bad relationship with mom, had a bad relationship with dad, and he started a bad relationship with a girl that he should have never been interested in. Go back to Judges chapter 14. The Bible is clear that the Philistines should not be marrying believers. Girls, if you need to take her into the mother-baby room, I'd appreciate that. Judges chapter 14. The Bible is very clear that you're not supposed to be marrying unbelievers. Samson was told to not marry this girl. And Samson decided to go against that and decided to follow his own advice instead of following his dad's advice. Look at verse 4. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards of Timnah and behold a young lion roared against him and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he ranked him as he would have ranked a kid and he had nothing in his hand but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Verse 7. And when he, had, when he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well, and after a time, you got to understand what's going on here, and after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. We're going to come back and talk about that in a minute, but you just got to understand what's going on. Verse 9. He took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat, and he told not them that he had taken the honey of, out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. And it came to pass, when they saw him, that they brought thirty companions to be with him. you got to understand this, okay? There, he's had, Samson is getting married. He's marrying a Philistine girl. They bring thirty men. These are like the groomsmen. Their ceremony, this is, think about this, in the Bible times, their ceremonies for marriage lasted seven days. That's, that's how long this party is going on. Verse 12, And Samson said unto them, I will not put forth a riddle unto you. Samson's going to have some fun, okay? Because we just read what? A young lion roared at Samson, right? The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Samson, the Bible says he rent the lion as he would rent a kid. He destroyed the lion. And then he, he goes off to the party, and he decides he's going to have some fun with these guys. There's 30 Philistines there. Verse 12, And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If ye can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garment. Okay, so do you understand what's going on? Samson says, look, this party's going to last for seven days. I'm going to give you a riddle. If at the end of seven days, you can figure out my riddle, then I'm going to buy each one of you a, a new outfit. And a sheet. I guess for your bed. A sheet for your bed and a new outfit. Alright? Now notice, notice verse uh, 13. But if you cannot declare me... Then shall ye give me thirty sheets and thirty changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle that we may hear. Now look, you got to understand this, okay? The pressure is on Samson. You understand that? Because if they get Samson's riddle, he has to come up with thirty 
shirts, 30 pants, 30 sheets, 30 outfits. If they don't get the riddle, then each one of the 30 has to come up with one suit to get presented. You understand? The pressure is really on Samson. Now look, no, notice verse, they, they agree to it. Last part of verse 13. Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. Verse 14. Now I, you know, when you read the Bible, you honestly, you, you should get into it as far as you should just envision what's going on. This is what I think happened. Verse 14. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. I think, I think they said, he said, hey, I got a riddle for you guys. If you can figure it out, I'll give you 30 outfits. If you can't figure it out, you give me 30 outfits. They're like, okay, what's the riddle? He says, okay, here it is. Out of the eater came forth meat, now the strong came forth sweetness. I think he smiled, and then just went back to doing whatever he was doing. Because I don't know if you understand that, but that's not a riddle. That's not anything. That doesn't even make sense. Okay, you, you can figure that out in a, in a million years. Look at what it says. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. Do you understand how a riddle works? There's usually a clue involved. There's usually a comparison or a contrast. There's something to kind of clue you so you can figure it out. There is no way you're going to figure out what this means. Out of the eater came... I mean, Samson's just messing with this guy. He's like, look, I'm going to buy you 30 outfits. If you can't figure it out, you buy me each of you. All 30 of you, buy me one outfit. If you can't figure it out, you, you want to hear the riddle? Sure, here it goes. Out of the eater came forth me. Now the strong uh, came forth sweetness. And they're like... Well, look what it says. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. They're just like, what does that mean? Verse 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife. Now notice what they say to Samson's wife. Entice thy husband. You've got to understand, these Philistines are very wicked people. They said, entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle. Lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire... Have you called us to take that we have? Is it not so? Here's what they're saying. They're saying, did you call us to this party so that we can get tricked into this? Like, you better figure out what this riddle is and tell us. Now notice what it says, verse 16. And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? Now I want you to understand. I don't know if I. I don't know if I. Uh, if I. I don't. I just read over this. I want you to understand what they said they're going to do to her. If you look at verse fifteen again, they said, "Lest we burn thee and my father's house with fire." Do you see that? They said, "Look, lady, you better figure out what this riddle means, or we're going to set your house on fire with your dad and your family and you living in it." She responds by begins. She begins to weep to Samson. You don't love me. Why would you do this? Why haven't you told me this? But here's what I want you to get. Okay, all that to say this. Notice Samson's response to his wife. Verse 16. Last part of verse 16. This is what he says to her. Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look. I love my mom and dad more than I love you. And I haven't even told them. Why would I tell you? Now you say, well, what's the problem with that? Did you keep your finger in Genesis 2? Go back to it. Now look, a child is under the authority of their parents until the day that they're married. But at the same time, Genesis chapter number 2, when a child gets married, mom and dad... You better realize that it's about time you cut that umbilical cord. Because the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. Notice what it says. 
When you get married, it's no more about mom, it's no more about dad, it is husband about your wife, and wife, it is about your husband. You are to leave father, you are to leave mother, and you are to cleave unto your wife. See, our our society doesn't understand that. What's the first thing a young lady wants to say first time she gets in a fight with her new husband? I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to go tell mom. Look, cut the cord. You made your choice. You cleave to that. I'm here to tell you, I'm not letting my kids move out of the house so they're married. But when they get married, they're not coming back. It's done. The umbilical cord is cut. You cleave to that spouse. You pick that guy. That's your husband. Say, well, I didn't know. Well, you should have figured it out before you said, I do. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So here, we find Samson bossing his mom and dad around, Samson not having a good relationship. Then he marries a girl, she's not even saved, and when, he, and when he's marrying her, he's telling her, look, I love my mom and dad more than I love you. I haven't told them, why would I tell you? That is the wrong relationship to have with a spouse. Did you keep your finger there in Ephesians chapter 6? Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. See, Samson did not give his wife the proper place. You say, what is the proper place that a man ought to give his wife? The proper place that a man ought to give his wife is the place of love. Alright, there in Ephesians chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. Look at verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 25. Husbands, look what it says. Love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. You ought to love your wife in the same way that Jesus Christ died for the uh, love the church. How much did Jesus Christ love the church? He loved the church so much that He literally died for it. Look at verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Look at verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. It is your job to love your wife in the same way that Christ loved the church. And here's what you got to understand. When Samson made a statement to his wife that showed her that there was other people in his life he had more affection for, He's depriving his wife of what she needs the most. I don't know that I have to explain this to you, but men and women are made differently, think differently, feel differently. They are different people. And women crave one thing, love. And when they doubt that love, it's going to send them into a crazy cycle. And notice what happens to, to, to Samson. Go, keep your finger there in Ephesians 5. We're going to come back to it. Go to, go to Judges 14. Notice what he said, verse 16. Look at the last part of verse 16. Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother. And shall I tell it thee? Here's what he's saying. I don't love you. I don't love you as much as I love my mom and dad. I love my mom and dad more than I love you. And if I haven't told them, why would I tell you? Notice how she responds. Verse 17. And she wept before him the seven days while their feet lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him. So she finally broke him down. She's weeping and crying and saying, why would you tell me? Can you tell me the riddle? You don't love me. And he's like, you're right. I don't love you. I haven't even told my parents and I love them. Why would I tell you? She broke him down. He finally said, okay, here it is. I told, 
and he tells her, look at verse 17, and she went before him the seven days while their feet lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day, look what it says, that he told her, because she slayed uh, sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people, and the men of the city said unto him, on the seventh day, before the sun went down, notice the guys show up, and they say to Samson, here's what they say, what is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? Now look, you got to understand what's going on right now. A man gave a riddle. And it was a foolish riddle, he probably shouldn't have done it. And other men went between the relationship of a man and his wife. Do you understand what I'm saying? And got the wife of Samson to help them win this little ridiculous riddle. And they embarrassed Samson. And he got upset. you you got to understand. You say, well, what's the big deal? Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. What do women need according to the Bible? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Women need love. And look, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not telling you I'm the expert on this. You, you go talk to my wife. I'm working on this. But women work off of love. But ladies, let me clue you in on something. Men don't work off of love. Women get this idea. Oh, well, I love him if he loved me as much as I love him. The problem is, men are motivated by how much they're loved. Because men don't think like women. You know what motivates men? To be respected. Amen. Are you there in, in Ephesians chapter 5? Look at what the Bible says. Look at verse number... Well, let's just begin reading at verse 22. Look what it says. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Then why does God not say, wives, love your husbands? Because guys don't care if a wife... Guys know... Look, women are naturally loving people. Guys never doubt, does my wife love me? But here's what they doubt. Does my wife respect me? And God says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Now, and I'll, I'll skip down uh, to verse number, uh, let's see, uh, where do I want you? Verse 33, look what it says. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, look what he says. He's, he's bringing it all together. He says, let everyone in particular so love his wife even as himself. It's consistent. The man is supposed to love his wife. But what is the wife supposed to do? Look what it says. And the wife see that she loved her husband. Is that what it says? No. It says, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. You know what the word reverence means? It means to respect. It means to honor. It means to be in awe. I, I'm just trying to break it down to you. You say, well, I love my husband so much and he doesn't re- reverse the He doesn't give me the love. Let me tell you something. Men don't work off of love. They work off respect. And guys, women don't work off of respect. They work off of love. Guys get this idea. Well, I show you the respect you show me. They don't care how much respect you show them. How much love you show them. Well, I show him as much as love as I have. Guys don't care about love. They want respect. They want reverence. They want submitting. And you got to understand this. When Samson showed his wife a lack of love, his wife showed Samson a lack of respect. And what was the result? Go back to Judges. Look what it says. Notice the response of Samson. Last part of verse 18. And he said unto them. Now, I, 
you got to understand this, okay? Samson and this young lady have been married for less than seven years. Uh, seven years, good night, seven days. Samson and this young lady are still in the honeymoon stage. And you got to understand this. The ceremony, the, the party lasts seven days. Samson is at his wedding reception. Do you understand what I'm saying? Notice how he responds. This is one of those verses in the Bible that you read at one time and you'll never forget it. Look what it says. And he said unto them, this is what Samson said, Men, could you imagine saying this about your wife? And could you imagine saying this about your wife at your wedding reception? If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. How do you think that made her feel? Probably not very loved, right? I mean, are you with me? Does that sound like a real loving statement? He just called his wife a heifer. And he accuses me. He said, you were working with my heifer. You were plowing with my heifer. You were working against me with my heifer. And she had not, and otherwise she would not have found my room. Now look, was it right for him to say that? No, it was not. But here's what you got to understand. When Samson showed a lack of love, it caused her to show a lack of respect, which caused him to show a lack of love, which will cause her to show a lack of respect, which will cause him to show a lack of love. And that's why most marriages are ending in divorce. I show him love. But do you show him respect? I show her respect. I provide for her, do I not? I go to work every day, and I provide, and I give her what she needs. And I... But do you show her love? See, men, we want to deal with a woman like we think we... Because we understand, well, this is what I need. I need respect, so then we want to give respect. Look, I'm not saying you should not respect your wife. I'm just saying you better make sure you're loving her. And then women, you know, I, I have to learn this. I have to learn, you know, men, men want to fix things, you know what I mean? They see a problem, they want to solve. My wife will come with me to me with, with an issue, and before she's done talking, I'm already telling her, this is what you got to do, you got to do this, X, Y, and Z, I'll say take care You know what I have to learn, and I'm trying to learn? Sometimes she doesn't want a solution. Sometimes she just wants somebody to hear her. She knows what to do. She knows, she already knows what she needs to do. She just wants somebody to come up alongside her and say, Honey, I love you. Honey, it's okay. Honey, I'm here for you. She doesn't need me to respect and get, see, this is how men talk. A guy comes up to a man. I got this problem. Well, here's what you do. Praise the Lord. See you later, brother. That's not what women want. They want love. My wife doesn't need me solving all her problems. She's smarter than I am. She can figure it out. She wants my love. And guys want respect. And you get on these cycles. And the faster you realize that men just love your wife like Christ loved the church. And women honor and submit and reverence to your husband like Christ, like, like God commanded you to. And you'll both give each other what you need. But see, Samson had a broken relationship with mom. Samson had a broken relationship with dad. Samson had a broken relationship with wife. Let me show you one more relationship he had broken. Samson had a broken relationship with his friends. I want you to see this. Look at verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. Do you understand what Cain is doing? Samson just lost the riddle. He's got to come up with 30 garments. He's got to come up with 30 suits. He's got to come up with 30 sheets. Samson's not going to go, you know, put it on a credit card. He goes over to the next town, kills 30 Philistines, takes their clothes and their sheets, and comes back and pays what he's owed. 
That's how Samson took care of business, you know what I mean? Samson's a strong man in the Bible. Now notice what it says, verse 20. Very peculiar verse. But Samson's wife was given to his companion. Because Samson left Matt. Look at the last part of verse uh, 19. Uh, the Bible says, And he went up to his father's house. He's angry. He, he goes to Ashkelon. He kills 30 men. He brings their clothes. He drops it off. And he just leaves. He's mad. Why? Because he's been disrespected. She's mad. Why? Because she hasn't been loved properly. She leaves. Dad, we'll talk about it next week in chapter 15, assumes that Samson is not coming back. Look at verse 20. But Samson's wife was given to his companion. So she's given in marriage to one of his companions. But I want you to see what it says about his companion. Whom he, talking about Samson, had used, you see that word used, as his friend. Samson had a broken relationship with mom and dad. Samson had a broken relationship with his wife. And Samson had a broken relationship with his friends. The Bible says that he had friends here. He had people here that he used as friends. Are you following what I'm saying? Look at verse number uh, 10. Judges chapter 10. I don't know if you caught this. Judges 14.10. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so he used the young men to do. So he's throwing a wedding. He's throwing himself a party for his wedding. Look at verse 11. Don't, Don't miss this. And it came to pass when they, talking about the Philistines, saw him, talking about Samson, that they, talking about the Philistines, brought 30 companions to be with him. Okay? These are the 30 men that he ends up doing the riddle with. I don't understand if you know what's happening here. Samson is getting married, and he doesn't have a friend to call, enough to even be a witness. He doesn't even have a guy that will be a bridegroom for him. The Philistines have to find 30 of their men to act as a friend so Samson could use them as a friend in order to get married. Samson had no real friends. Well, why does Samson have no real friends? Because when you break down the relationship with your parents, it'll go down to the relationship with your spouse, and it'll go down to the relationship with your friends. See, you got to understand this. Go, go to Proverbs. We're almost done. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. Look at verse number 17. Proverbs 17 and verse 17. The Bible says this. See, you've got to understand this. The Bible teaches us what a real friend is. A real friend should stick with you through thick and thin. Listen, prodigal. When you have a lot of money and everything's going right, everyone's your friend. When you're down and it's rough, and you're down in the pits, that's when you find out who your real friends are. Are you there in Proverbs 17? Look at verse 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Look at verse 24 of the next chapter, Proverbs 18, verse 24. The Bible says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The Bible says you can actually develop a relationship with a friend that will be closer than someone you're physically related to. See, the Bible says that a friend loveth at all times. See, a real friend is going to stick with you. 
A real friend is not going to be someone that you're having a relationship with them for the things that you can get out of them. It is someone that you have a relationship with and it's never going to... See, a real friend makes these kind of decisions. They decide, when you become my friend, that relationship is not going to end. I'm not going to finish it. We're going to be friends through thick, through thin, through good, through bad. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to be friend. But you got to understand this. The world very rarely provides those type of friends. The world, you, you want to know the type of friends that you can get in the world? Ask Jonah. Everybody was his friend. Everybody, man, they were having a party on, on, on the ship there as he's running from God. As soon as the storms come, what happens? They throw him off the ship. That's the kind of friends the world provides. Ask the prodigal son. Man, he was the life of the party until he ran out of money. Then he's eating with the, at the pig's pen. Where are all his friends then? You know where they were? They were back home with his dad. Because a friend loveth at all times. Because a friend sticketh closer than a brother. But the world does not provide for friends. See, Samson had a he had a problem. And his problem was that every relationship in his life had issues in it. And all of them had to do with this. What can I get out of this relationship? What can I get out of dad? What can I get out of my wife? What can I get out of my friend? Now let me give you a few things just as we finish up. Go back to Judges 14. I want, I want, to, I want to deal with this. It's not really part of the sermon, but I, I want to answer a puzzling question. In, in Judges 14, if you look at verse number 4, the Bible says this. Now, we spent some time dealing with the fact that Samson should not have married a Philistine girl. It was wrong for him to do that. Unbelievers should not yoke up together. Okay? But the Bible has this verse, which is kind of a puzzling verse. Verse 4, Judges 14, 4. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord. That he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now you may read that and think, okay, hold on a second. There's a clear passage that he's not supposed to marry a Philistine. It's wrong for him to marry an unbeliever. Yet the Bible says that it was of the Lord. So was God putting Samson up to a sin here? Now you got to understand this, okay? Go to Genesis chapter number 50. God does not force you and I to do anything. We are not Calvinists. We don't believe and the Bible does not teach that God forces you to do the things that He wants you to do. You have a will, you are able to do the things that you want to do. And Samson was committing a flat out sin by marrying a Philistine. You say, but it was of the Lord. Here's what you got to understand, okay? It's described well by Joseph in, in Genesis 50. Look at verse number 18, Genesis 50. Remember the story of Joseph? Remember he got sold by his brothers into slavery? He got lied about at Potiphar's house. Everything was going wrong. And then God lifted him up to be the second in command in Egypt. Genesis chapter 50. Look at verse 18. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Joseph's dad, Jacob, just died. And his brothers are concerned that Joseph is now going to seek revenge against them because of the things that they did to him. But notice what Joseph says in verse 19. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Now look, Joseph's not saying you're not going to get punished. Joseph is saying, I'm not going to punish you. Joseph's saying, a real friend forgives. And a real friend sticks with you. 
But he says, God is going to punish you. But he says, am I in the place of God? Now, notice verse 20. But as for you, notice what it says. Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. So you got to understand this. Even though Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, and they were sinning, they were doing wrong, the Bible says that God, go to Romans chapter number 8, New Testament, Romans chapter number 8. The Bible says that God has the ability to take our situations when we're sinning, when we're doing wrong, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do. God has the ability to take that situation and try to produce something good out of it. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to reap what you sow. That doesn't mean that God is... Look, God does not minimize sin. You will reap what you sow. You will be punished in this life for your sin. But let me tell you something. Even in the midst of sin, everything could have gone wrong for Joseph. He was sold by his brothers. He was lied about. He said, they said that he tried to rape a woman when he did it. He was forgotten about in prison. Everything went wrong. And Joseph said, everybody was trying to do evil against me. But God meant it for good. And Samson here was going to perform a sin. Are you there in Romans chapter number 8? Look at verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Now understand this, okay? Here's what this verse doesn't say. It doesn't say we know that all things are good. Some things in this life are not good. Some things in this life are flat out sin. But we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You say, this happened in my life, and this, you know, you come to me and say, Pastor Jimenez, I married the wrong person. So? I married an unbeliever. I think I need to get, uh, I think I need to get divorced on the, uh, 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 because my spouse is not saved. Show me that in the Bible. The problem is when you become, when you put the Bible as the authority in your life, the problem is that the Bible kind of messes up all our little ideas. I married the wrong person. So, so did Samson. God meant it for good. I, I married the wrong spouse. So, so did Samson. I married an unbeliever. So did Samson. I mar- I'm not supposed to be in this relationship. So did Samson. God can work it out for good. All things were together for good. They meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto good. See, You said it was of the Lord. It wasn't of the Lord for Samson to sin. But you know what God thought? Because you've got to keep in mind, at this time the Philistines are oppressing the Israelites. Here's what God's thinking. Well, Samson's marrying that girl he's not supposed to, but maybe I can get a few Philistine lives out of it. Maybe I can get them out of bondage because of it. God is not putting a stamp of approval on sin. But God is saying this, look... You got married to the wrong person, God can still use you. People say to me, you know, we preach against divorce and we ought to preach against divorce. The Bible talks against divorce. You say, Pastor Jimenez, I'm divorced and I got remarried and and what do I do now? You do the same thing you do with every other sin. You confess it to God, you forsake it. I say, God, forgive me, I got married when I was divorced, I shouldn't have, and never do it again. That's what you do. That's it. Like any other sin. Like lying. Like stealing. Confess it to God and forsake it. Okay, but it doesn't mean that because you messed up that God no longer has use for you. It doesn't mean that because Samson married the wrong girl, now God can't use him at all. No, hey, they meant it for evil, God meant it for good, all things work together for good to them that love God. You just make sure you love God. And God will work it out. Go back to Judges 14. 
We're, we're, we're almost done. I know I said that like three times, but I got to say it four times before it actually counts. Judges, Judges 14. I just want you to see this, okay? Uh, we're going to look at three passages, and we'll be done. No, not even. We're going to look at two passages. Judges 14. Okay? Why does Samson have such a bad relationship with mom and dad? Why does Samson have such a bad relationship with wife? Why does Samson have such a bad relationship with friends? Here's the reason anyone and everyone has a bad relationship with anyone and everyone. Because Samson had a bad relationship with God. And when you have a bad relationship with God, you will have a bad relationship with everybody else in your life. Say, well, how do you know that Samson had a bad relationship with God? I'll show you. Are you there in Judges 14? Look at verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards of Timnah and behold, a young lion roared against him. Okay, Samson's going down the street, a lion shows up and roars against him. Samson hasn't done anything wrong, right? Look at verse 6. This proves that he didn't do anything wrong. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him. Remember, Samson was, was a, you know, had supernatural strength that God had given him. And he rent him. I mean, he took a lion and tore him apart. I like how the Bible says this. He rent him as he would have rent a kid. Talking about like a lamb. The Bible the Bible's trying to tell us this is how easily Samson rent a lion. He rent him so easily like you'd rent a, a, a lamb. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have trouble tearing a lamb apart. Okay? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? You take a little sheep. I can't tear it. And the Bible says, the Bible says, he's like, he rents a lion like he would have rent a lamb. I'm like, man, I can't rent a lamb. This is a strong man. The Spirit of the Lord, verse 6, came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. He didn't have a, a weapon. And he told not his father and his mother what he had done. Everything's fine. And he went down and talked with a woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her. So he's going back, and he turned aside. Here's where Samson went wrong. He turned aside to see the, make note of this word, carcass. You see that word, carcass? Of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands, and went on eating, and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat, but he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now you got to ask a question. Why did Samson not tell mom and dad where he got the honey from? Whenever you're hiding something, you're probably doing something you're not supposed to. See, I don't understand. What's the big deal? Him taking something out of the carcass. Keep your finger there in Judges 14. Go to number 6. We're almost done. Remember I told you two passages? This is the second one. And then we're coming back to Judges 14, but that's still the same passage, okay? Uh, Numbers chapter 6. Dude, just look at it quickly. we got, we got to hurry up. Tomorrow's Veterans Day, and all of you are going to stay back. Numbers chapter number 6. Okay? What was Samson? Remember from last week? He was a Nazarite. Right? Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, when either a man or a woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite to separate themselves into the Lord. That's what Samson did. He took a vow of a Nazarite from his womb. Okay? Skip down to verse 6. It gives you all the qualifications there. But I want you to see one specific, uh, specifically. Verse 6. All the days that he separated himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. Do you see that? What's a dead body? A carcass. God told the Nazarites 
that they were not allowed to go to a dead body. Go back to Judges 14. They weren't allowed to go to a funeral. They weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to be around a dead body. Okay, Samson killed this lion. This lion was going to attack Samson. He killed the lion. That was great. Samson messed up, though, on the way back when he said, I'm going to go look at that carcass, that dead body of that lion that I rent. And he went in a very specific, going against what God had commanded him. You understand that? His relationship with God wasn't right, and every relationship in his life wasn't right. Let me just, you say, I don't think it's that big of a deal that he went to a carcass. Anything that God tells you to do when you don't do it, it's a big deal. Anything that, you say, well, what's the big deal? Look, you don't have to understand it. You don't need to, but I'll tell you this. If Samson would have done what he was supposed to do and stayed away from the dead carcass, you know what he would have never seen? Honey in the carcass of the lion. And if he would have never seen honey in the carcass of the lion, he would have never put forth a ridiculous riddle to the 30 Philistines. And if he would have never put forth a ridiculous riddle to the Philistines, it wouldn't have caused the strife that it caused with his wife. And if he wouldn't have had the strife that it caused... Do you understand that they ended up killing and burning his wife and her father and her family because Samson did not stay away from a carcass? I don't see what the big deal is. Whenever you go against what God tells you to do, it's always a big deal. Amen. And when he sinned against God, he sinned against mom, he sinned against dad, he sinned against wife, he sinned against... And let me tell you something. Samson dies, and we'll get to it as we go through it, Samson dies a very lonely man. Why? Because of broken relationships. You ought to be very careful with your relationships. I'm a very successful man, I make a lot of money. How are your relationships? Well, don't you see the vehicle that I drive? How's your relationship with the kid? That's what matters. Friends, family, relationships. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear my Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you that we're traveling through the book of Judges. And we're in Judges 14 because last week we were in Judges 13. And next week we'll be in Judges 15. But every time we meet, the Holy Spirit gives us exactly what we need to hear. Father, help us to apply it to our lives. The importance of relationships in our lives. Lord, I pray you bless all of us to take this warning, this heat, take it to heart. The most important thing in our lives is our relationships. The time we spend with those we love. Not just our physical family, but our spiritual family. People that God has allowed us to be around. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.